Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, tennis fans, we're back. It's midweek, clay court season going on. We don't have a Masters men's event. We do have one on the women. We also have two gambling experts here. Zachary Cohn, tennis, Tennis.com writer, VEASAN expert, Kenny Ducey. You can see him on Action Network. You can see him on covers. A lot of different places to make picks, his Patreon account. Guys, thanks for coming and taking time out of your busy day to just handicap some tennis here. Uh, we can start with this. Zach, I know you've been on top of things, but if you ever had to get ready for weekly daily tennis as early, like on the women's event where there's just chaos left and right on a Monday and a Tuesday. It's the, it's the worst. Cause I'm on the West coast too. So, you know, if you lose, you're waking up to yourself losing and it's like, you don't, you don't get to watch it and try to will yourself to a win. So I like, uh, I like having a little bit more time than this. Yeah, that, that is, that is the worst when you're, when you're, uh, you know, you have to not watch the match. Essentially you can't get out live. You can't hedge. You can't add more, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into, and that's why the American hardcore swing is always so fun. Cause you're actually watching every single match uh, and it presents a lot more opportunities to make money. So it's, I mean, obviously French open, it'll be different time. We'll be awake for the entire French open, but uh, yeah, I, I can sympathize with that Zico. I like the fact that we have this road to Roland Garros and it takes different shapes each week for the men. It's so many different events, which we'll get to in a second. I do want to start with the women because I don't know that there is a more stacked tournament from round one on than Stuttgart. I mean, you have top 10, top 15 players that aren't even seated in this field. It's pretty, pretty insane. Zico, let's start for this. From what we've seen so far, what's been the most surprising to you and which players are you taking stock on? Maybe good or bad going into the end of this week and then the weekend. Yeah, so I had Jabor to beat Ostapenko, and like the way Ostapenko started that match, I didn't think I had a chance of winning. And then she just completely dipped her level once she was serving for the match. But I do think Jabor is playing some really good tennis right now. Uh, she won a tournament last, you know, a week or two. Or I don't know what it was, but yeah, I think that she's looking really good in the clay court swing, and I'm I'm pretty uh, you know interested in seeing what she does over these next couple of weeks. On Jabor on the clay, Kenny. Uh... Ostapenko, I mean, that's I, I'm actually surprised that Zico weighed action on her because either way, it's just a, a frightening experience. Well, I mean, she's been a hot name this week, so I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm definitely not knocking him for that. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I like you said, I mean, this has been a very, very good tournament. And I think there was some shaming of CNN for putting out a headline about Radicanu losing at Stuttgart like it was like a nothing tournament. This is a pretty good tournament. Um, and you no, know, I think we're seeing some meaningful results, even just after one round, like, uh, you know, Rabakina with the win over Niemeyer. I thought that was potentially a tricky spot. She got that done seven, five, six, three. She looked pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the Jabor Ostapenko match was, uh, was, was just an absolute heavyweight fight. I mean, it was just, you know, two, two really good clay court players, fun to watch. And um, I think I'm definitely going to be maybe buying some more shares of Ostapenko going forward. Yeah, I, I don't want to disparage her. She can beat anybody, but she has dips, and that's what happened today. Yeah. She was rolling and, and up a break in the second, and Jabor, to her credit, turned it on. Uh, the thing that stood out to me 
the most impressive was Sabalenka just dismantles Krejcikova today. And Barbara didn't play that bad, which is crazy. I, I think what's what's startling is it doesn't necessarily make as much sense, guys, but Sabalenka's probably got her best surface in front of her. On the clay, she was rolling today. And you look at what she's done on the hard courts, what she's done on the hard courts this season, but even when Ash Barty was reigning supreme, Sabalenka was, for a while, that number two clay court player. So I expect her to translate and transition seamlessly to the red stuff. Yeah, and I think one of the things we talked about, Zika, you were on that show as well. The last time we spoke was about sort of handicapping clay court tennis. And I think that one of the things that is so valuable on this surface is finishing power. Um, you know, obviously, what, you know, when you're Milos Raonic or, or you know, Nick Kyrgios or one of these players, they, hard courts, fast courts, gra- we'll, we'll make more uh, 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 contemporary references. Yannick Sinner, right? Uh, a, a hard court, a fast hard court or a grass court, right, is going to play to your advantage. You don't have to play very long rallies. You have big power. You just hit through opponents in, in a few shots. You know, eventually the defense breaks down. Uh, on clay, Power is sort of used in a different way, and I think Sabalenka has the rally tolerance and the stamina to go in, into long matches, you know, battles, grueling tests on the surface, and then, uh, you know, after a 40 or 10 to 30 shot rally, she can just blast a winner with her forehand. Uh, she does have exceptional power, so I think that that, and we'll talk about some other players on the men's side who I like in just a little bit who have that. You know, that's that is why Sabalenka is dangerous on this surface. You know, you might again think that the big serve, the, the powerful game, but. Uh, that is where she really can take advantage. So I agree with you, Mitch. I think this is a very good surface for her. And, and Zico, no break points face today. She was at deuce a couple of times. Her serve was very well. She knows how to serve on clay, but she's also serving smarter, which maybe not going for much is the key for her, especially on this surface. So that, that's something to watch. And I'll tie it in with the fact that we'll see what we have from Iga. She's got an interesting first match looking for her second title this year. But Sabalenka, Iga, Jabor, the, the regular suspect, most suspects are coming up here on the women's side. Yeah. And there's something to be said for, you know, like a B plus mover gets, you know, more time on clay to settle in and hit their shots. I mean, it's not all about someone that can move well on clay. I mean, that's what I think you're seeing with Sabalenka. And, you know, I, I do like push give it tomorrow. That's one of the reasons I like her. So I think that there's something to be said for the, the overwhelming power is still there, but you know, they're being aided as well. All right. Let's add another voice to the mix here. He's, he's coming in bottom he right underneath me. I'll try not to step on him. Uh, Brad Connors in the building uh, for the second time today. You you had a chance. So we we're talking about the women's events today. Okay. Sabalenka, ultra impressive. Jabor rallies late. What's been your gauge, having seen a lot more of this tennis than most of us, for how things are shaping up in Stuttgart? Uh, it seems like uh, technically it's clay, but it's it's playing pretty fast. Um, it's dry when you look at uh, the difference close up on, on of the court. Stuttgart it doesn't even look like there's like piles of dirt out there when you when you compare it to Munich and uh, and Banya. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, I mean Ostapenko, I would have been here an hour ago. I could have had time to prep and eat a sandwich <laughs> and and talk to you guys for a little bit of pre pro, but uh, she decided to go to a third set and lose. Jabor looks sick out there, like she was coughing. We were getting a bunch of footage together, making me thinking she was going to pull out, like she was ill. It looks like all the big hitters, the people who are willing to maybe go for their shots first. Kind of have an advantage in, in Stuttgart with Savvy looking good, uh, Rybakina. Yeah. And, I mean, Ostapenko should have won that match. And she yeah. was just – I mean, she was dictating. She kind of took the racket out of uh, Anz's hands. But she just uh, hung in there, and, and Ostapenko got tight and then started missing a lot of those balls that she was making in the in the first set and a half. And uh, away she went. I want to get to the men's in a little bit here, but while we're on the topic to put a bow on the women, some matches, some interesting lines coming up tomorrow. Some of you guys like, some I just want to throw out there. And Brett, we can start with this. 
Because I, I don't know. I mean, it might be worth it. It might not be. You're the perfect guy to ask for this. Is it or worth the, a fiver? Uh, what, what was it? The French she took a set? Is that yeah. what it was? Yeah. yeah. She's taking a set um, two times they played, so. Yeah. I don't think so. Just because last time Iga lost and then went away and had time to, to regroup, she came back pretty focused. Uh, and I feel like won, won, a, won a tournament or two. But, um, I mean, that's going to be a good match. Yang's a really good player, but um, Iga loves clay. I feel like she's probably been, you know, sitting around playing every day on clay, getting ready to go. So I don't think I'd take that one. Maybe if she takes the first set and then you get like 18 to one, then sure, go ahead. Put a little bit on her. Kenny, do you have any concerns with Iga? I guess not just the fact that clay is obviously her best surface, but the fact that she's coming off of the injury and, and not the success of last year that she's got to go into a first match against a quality opponent, whereas opposed to other tournaments, she wouldn't be this way. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously is going to be tough, but I think it helps in the long run to face a better opponent to just when you're first coming back, because she is good enough, obviously, to, to have that. I mean, we've seen, you know, uh, at least on the men's side, that can speak to with a lot of the, you know, the greats, Novak Djokovic coming back at, from many injuries or many, you know, uh, long layoffs and playing a quality. I think it does help ultimately uh, the given week, uh, the, at least the result in the given week. And especially with the stacked field, you're gonna, she surely was expecting to face a, a tough opponent in the first round. So I'm not really that concerned. No, I mean, I, I think like we talked about last time, I think there's a ton of view in betting Iga early, uh, you know, in this comeback, whether it's taking out a future on, uh, on Stuttgart or taking out a future on uh, the French Open and then as well maybe in her first match. So I don't know. I, th I think that the consensus here would be, yeah, you know, Zhang, she's a good, she's a good opponent. Um, and there's definitely an opportunity to take her to win a set here. But I would say, you know, like Brett was saying, she's, she's probably got some time now to prepare. Uh, yeah. Nothing's going to catch her by surprise. I think she probably wins 2-0. I'm with you there. I think if you're going to do anything, maybe there's some game possibilities or some spread possibilities there. Um, all right, Zico, let's look at this one because you had a, a beat on this one. You like Pliskova over Vekic tomorrow at minus 150. Vekic finally did get a win last year over Pliskova in San Diego. But aside from that, it's been pretty much one-way traffic. Are you you know, basking on experience, experience on the clay for KP1, not KP2 in her sister's case? Yeah, I mean, that's you kind of took it from me. But I do think Pliskova has dominated the head-to-head -head in the past. I also think she's had a really good season so far. She's like 12 and eight this year. Looks a lot better than she did a year ago. And like you, like I said a little bit earlier, I just think that her power game is going to be a little bit too much for Vekic, who can occasionally, you know, let service games slip away. I don't think that Pliskova is going to do the same. Yeah, yeah guys, I don't know if you have anything to add to this, but I feel like Pliskova is or like Sabalenka, underrated on this surface. It doesn't necessarily feel like it would work as well as it does, but the results speak for themselves for her on the clay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Pliskova, it's, go ahead, Brett. No, go ahead, Kenny. I, I was going to say, I think she's, I think she's underrated uh, all the time, right? I think at least in the last few years, I feel like we've been catching great prices on her. There's, there's a lot of market speculation or, or excuse me, market skepticism on Pliskova, but at the end of the day, she's still a top 20 player. She's been here. And I think, you know, what Zico said about the movement is true, but also Vekic, uh, we've seen her really struggle to hold serve a lot of times. And I think that really opens things up for Pliskova in the return game, which obviously is not, uh, always been her strong suit, especially on a slower surface. Uh, you know, I, we, we see bad returners uh, sort of excel sometimes on faster surfaces, but I think that that definitely helps her here quite a bit. So I don't know what, what where Brett is thinking here, but I could definitely get behind Pliskova for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think Pliskova, she kind of dipped out and we kind of, a lot of people might've given up on her, but uh, she has been playing a little better lately. And if she can handle her serve and then she can kind of attack the return, like you were saying, just kind of go for it. 
because Vekic's movement gets a little iffy on play. And and so I think Pushkova, this the surface could kind of benefit her a little bit. She goes for her Vekic, shots. Yeah, I think Vekic is a fighter, but she doesn't get the openings to rally back against Pushkova that she might against other players. So in this case, I think Pushkova is a smart bet. One last line uh, on the women. Just want to get your thoughts. Not not throwing out my my side one way or the other, but this is what we're looking at tomorrow in a rematch for Miami. Goff struggled today, but got through in a third set breaker against Kuter Matova. Potapova is playing the best tennis of her young career. What do you guys think? We'll open it up. Uh, Zach, Zico, let's start with you. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I like the value on Potapova. I, I didn't have a play on this one going in, but, you know, Coco, like we said, these are playing a little bit faster than a normal clay court. That's not going to help her out. She needs some more time with that forehand to load up and, you know, hit it accurately. So I do think that there's some value to be had on Potapova. You think, Kenny? I know you like a good underdog here, so maybe. Yeah, no, I, I love, I love, I love pots here. I agree with, with with the handicap there because you know we talked a lot about uh, rolling girls last year for Coco, and I would think we would talk about it again here for her. Uh, but you know, again, when you speed up the surface, it's definitely going to be a lot dip, more difficult for Coco to sort of play her game. So I agree with that. And you know, Potapova coming off a win, uh, she's she's got a win over golf in her career. Um, you know, a, a pretty impressive performance against Petra Marchitz, I thought. So I think that uh, all systems go here for a Coco Golf fate who struggled in her first match. Yeah, she did struggle in her first match. And it's hard to lay. I hate laying anyway, but minus 200 is a lot on a golf match because even in matches where she's a heavy favorite and she should win, sometimes she messes around and goes three sets. And it's way more of a sweat than you really wanted to put in. So if anything, you know, Potapova, you know, and then you might be able to get, it's going to get close to even. There might be some breaks and it'll be close. So I'm staying away laying a big number like that. Yeah, you, think, uh, you think Kokovers co- 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 are back, uh, Brett? You think so? Remember, yeah. we were, it, was, it was an auto over, auto three-setter every time, like last year, two years ago. Definitely, yeah. And then I think she's going to have some pressure start to build as she gets closer to Roland Garros, you know, just with all those points to back up yeah. and, and a lot yeah. of expectations and what's going to happen to my ranking if blank, I yeah. lose in what round. So, you know, she might get tight in, in certain situations and have to go three where normally she could go two. But I think Kokovers uh, could be back. Hey, last time I was on this show uh, with Zico, Kenny, you were on and then went to go golf. So I think you missed the part where I took the Coco Potapova over in the match, but was not bold enough to pick Potapova to win. So maybe that's the value bet today. Like you guys were saying, just go over, go three. All right. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Tennis bets here. We're going to keep it going now to the men's side. Again, the road to Roland Garros. And I'll start with Serbia because Barcelona, we know, is a loaded field. The Serbian Open is, you know, intriguing for a lot of different reasons. Brett, what did you think about Djokovic's level today, playing the teenager, playing, you know, French teenager that took a set off him? It was up a break early in the third. 
there's so many questions not about the results but about the health and the fitness level of Djokovic. Where do you gauge him as he goes and looks for a third French Open crown? Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting because in, as the first set unfolded, I'm one of these guys where who believes the Joker's so good that when he's away, sometimes maybe he you know plays himself into some game situations. Maybe you know wants to go to a tie break or he goes down a break so he can maybe try and you know play out like a, a situation in a bigger tournament. So the whole first set, I'm thinking, oh, you know, he's down the break, he breaks back. Oh, he wants to play a tie break. Oh, he goes to the tie break. But then his body language out there and his mood, it almost looked like he never smiled. I mean, he's in his home country, his family's all there, you know, and, and he's got the, the elbow wrapped in the sock, you know, and you saw how he, uh, he had the thing with Berrettini and, and Monte Carlo in practice. So I don't know. I was a little surprised. He, got, he came through. Van Ash played really good. Mm -hmm. he's, got a, he's got a pretty good future ahead of him. Uh, 19, I think, in a month, still really young. Um, but yeah, I was a little surprised because my opinions flipped. I thought it was one way. And then after the match, I was like, he never really smiled, even when he went into his little, you know, his little yeah. routine at the end. So it was a little surprising. History does show you that he ramps up. But Kenny, I think what we're worried about is that he'll be in good form by Roland Garros. So how he goes about that is going to be tricky. But how did you see it today? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Luca Van Asch. I think he has, I mean, I, I mean, look, Arthur Fees, I think Arthur Fees is still the future of French tennis, but Luca Van Asch uh, has had himself a solid last six months, last 12 months. So I'm not really, I wasn't really surprised that he went out and stunned Novak Djokovic, we, at least in, in the first set. We see that all the time, really, with these young up-and-coming players who Novak, probably because he's just the greatest tennis player to ever grace us with his presence, doesn't really take a lot of time to scout these players. Uh, obviously, I think he's very aware of, you know, what's going to be a tougher match, what's not, because he's he's obviously smart. He does a lot of preparation, but I don't, you know, I don't think that he was doing a deep dive on Luca Van Asher coming back from two breaks down to win a challenger tournament in France a couple of months ago against Hugo and Bear. Right? I don't think he was in attendance or watching uh, the live stream with 400 of, of us. But I do think that, uh, yeah, I, I, this this is generally like. Serbian Open, you think it's a slam dunk. Remember he lost to Aslan Karatsev here two years ago? Like, I, I think that this is not really a time of year where we're norm, we're, we're used to Novak Djokovic just dominating until we get to Roland Garros anyway. So I, I think that there is some truth to sort of him just kind of trying to feel himself out a little bit, uh, feel out what, what's working for him, what's not. You know, the elbow could certainly be an issue. It was an issue, what, last year? Wasn't he wearing elbow wrapping? So perhaps that's something to take a look at, but... I mean, how many times have we been? Oh, you know, he's the, the hamstring, the ribs, the like just so many Novak Djokovic injuries. And then like he just still manages to win almost every match. He's only lost two times all year. So I'm not really that concerned. And that, no. And I think this is probably good for him. That Karatsev match it took the words out of my mouth. It was like the best thing for him. He played three hours, got a lot of match reps yeah. in there against a good player at the time and then wins the French Open that year. Uh, Zico, how do you see this tournament going? Djokovic still the top seed home event didn't win it last year Rublev after Monte Carlo in the event George goes out today how do you see this one shaking out do you see a lot of chalk at the top or is there some value for some upsets in Serbia well all the lines are really lopsided there's there's really nothing like expected to be close in that tournament but I I didn't really jump in but I, I am worried about Djokovic I think that the elbows kind of freaking me out a little bit because I think that the velocity was down in the last tournament and he ticked back up here but he was complaining after the match saying that these are slower courts than monte carlo that means he's gonna have to you know use that elbow a little bit more to hit winners and i'm just nervous he's gonna strain it a little bit heading into some bigger tournaments and then i think he's a little torn right like because winning two and two kind of doesn't do him any good 
right now because mm-hmm. he's, he's going to want more play like when he gets into the next week and then the French. But then also like his elbow hurts. So he's like he kind of wants to win fast on one hand because yeah. like my elbow hurts. And then on the other hand, well, I, I need to get some reps. Like what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I just don't you love clay season though? This is clay season in a nutshell. Does anyone look good during clay season except, of course, Rafa? Like everyone's got a beard. They're sick. Sitsi Pass has a cut on his lip. Like, remember, he, he was coughing up a lung last year, growing girls. Like, no one, the conditions are slow and wet and cold. No one's having fun out there. So, I like, like I think I said last show, like, I don't know how much – I mean, Djokovic is a different story because we obviously have to read into his body language because we obviously know his abilities there. But, like, normally I'm not really too concerned about guys just looking like they're they're perturbed out there on the court because I think everyone is, except for, of course, Dan Evans today who was just overjoyed with, uh, with, with finally getting another win. But in all seriousness, um, yeah, I mean, I – he, he needs, he's going to need that mile an hour, those mile an hours off the serve for sure, because yeah. that's definitely transformed him into, uh, you know, at least the last four years who we've seen as the dominant player that he, he is. Can't wait to see how he looks, just win or lose, what the level is like match to match. It's fascinating. It's another fascinating reason to watch him. Uh, and then we have Barcelona, guys, which is a stacked field every year, a lot of intrigue. Alcaraz comes in the defending champs. It's a pass is in there looking to rebound. We've got a lot of top players. Brett, looking at it from the Alcaraz perspective first, because he's back and, you know, he does the time off, looks better than ever. It's happened a few times now in his first match, but five clay court titles on his career. What are we looking for for Alcaraz as he looks to be maybe the favorite going into the French Open, depending on Djokovic's level, but a return to the clay, a return from a minor injury. What are we looking for in Alcaraz in this event? Um, I just, you know, guess his level just to see. I mean, we, we saw him not too long ago. He just essentially missed like one week of tournaments and, and now he's back on his favorite surface, but we, he's already played two tournaments on that too, since the Australian open. So we kind of have a feel, I guess, just to see how, how everything works. I'm not so sure his injuries were that bad. I think they were almost like, look, I just ripped off like six straight weeks of tennis. I made four finals, won two titles, you know, sure, these are my injuries, but it's just like, right. you know, this is why I'm technically missing the tournament. So is it that or is it something that like really keeps bothering him and he gets yeah. a trainer? So I just want to see what his schedule's like. And maybe if he does, like we were talking about it, and you were talking about it on your on your podcast, Advantage Connors, like you don't want to tell him to slow down. But if there's a way he can play without going 100 miles an hour in every single event leading up to a major, it's something that Rafa, Djokovic, Fed have had all mastered a way to let me just play my best tennis and empty the tank at the end. But Kenny, I know that if he's in an event, he feels good in it. So regardless of that, there is maybe not as much value on the fact that Alcaraz is playing day to day, but you know, he's going to be a, a career cut favorite in every event. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think what we, the original question, what we're looking at with Alcaraz in these matches and, you know, Nuno Borges, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to uh, offend Jose Morgado. I, I know that, you know, Nuno Borges is a great player. He's going to have a great future, uh, but that wasn't really a great competition level to face, uh, you know, probably the best player in the world right now. Right. So uh, what I'm looking at is the only phase two break points, which was big and really going forward on, on clay, especially in this tournament. Uh, I mentioned this about Rio like the Alcaraz serve has always been what has been held, what has held him back from anything. I mean, really there's not much that he's been held back from, but if there's anything that's a weakness, especially on clay, it's his serve. It's, it's, it's his ability to hold. He was only broken the one time and he only had the two break points against him. He won 76% of of points beyond his first serve, but he only landed 49%. Uh, That's always what I'm looking at round to round, because again, that's where we've seen um, him sort of lose his, I mean, we know he's going to return well. We know he's going to win a lot of baseline points, hit cessation, sensational shots 
But um, if he's not able to, to hold with consistency, he's not going to be the dominant guy that he's been on hard courts. And that's why it's going to be hard to bet him uh, late games, at least with him. So I thought uh, a good first start, but probably could have served better. And that's what I'm looking at in this next match against a, a Roberto Batista good who's not really great on clay, but that's going to be a, a better sort of telltale sign of where he is right now. I love the under in this one. It's my favorite one that stood out. I feel like me too. Hate, hate, I hate Bob. Yeah. I don't, okay. <laughs> I'm not a glorified hater. In this spot anyway, I don't, I don't like, I don't like Bob. Not right now. I just feel like Alcaraz handles business as well as anyone against the players he should be. I think that's the compliment there that I'll, I'll try to give him diplomatically. Uh, we have a couple different ones, and, and Zico and Kenny, this is time for you guys to agree because I don't think it happens too much, but we'll put this one up there. So let's talk about Let's talk this out. Grigor Dimitrov, big fans, incredible things with his body on the clay court. We know all the words, but uh, <laughs> against Demon Hour, minus 130. Yeah, I was pumped. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I've been talking way too much. You go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I was really excited when I saw this line because, you know, Dimitrov beat him on indoor hard courts two months ago. And then now you move to clay, which is definitely his surface. And I think that Diminor, you know hasn't been proven on clay. And I don't think his serve is good enough to get by Dimitrov here. I think that's one of the areas Dimitrov can get tripped up if he's play- facing someone that's just consistently holding. But I don't think that's going to be Diminor. Yeah, and I think that's really – it's been really hard for me to figure out a time to play Grigor over the last few years because he he really has been just hovering above 500, and he's had he's produced some great tennis at times. He's produced some not great tennis at times. But one thing we know is, you know, first of all, he, he did take down Alex Dimitor here uh, this year in Rotterdam. They've never played on a clay court. But last year, his best tennis was clearly on the clay, and that's really seeming to be the case again this year. He looks pretty good on this surface right now. We know Alex Dimonor is not a clay court player, uh, and especially, you know, going back to something we talked about earlier, his speed is just not as big of a weapon on this surface. Uh, he does not have a lot of power. So I think Grigor is, I mean, I, I would take Grigor over Dimitrov, or excuse me, I would take Grigor over Dimonor probably on a hard court anyway, on a clay court where Dimitrov is, is definitely more experienced and definitely a better player. Uh, I definitely am, am excited about taking him at this price. I would agree with you. So I, I don't know if there's a little bit of skepticism here over the fact that he beat Emilio Gomez, who had a surprising win to get into that match in the first place. Uh, but and I, I do think I did think Shevchenko was going to have a better chance than he did against Timonor. Just got absolutely wrecked. But with that said, I, I still think that you ignore those those first two matches and you I think you take the better player here on clay and that's Grigor. Yeah, I think there's some good logic there, Brett. I'm going to throw you a line here because I think it's uh, speaking of which yeah. you're, you're like our fiber evaluator here. But uh, this one stood out. He's undefeated against him in their head to head. It's the first time on clay. Oh, clay Dan yeah. Evans takes on Hatchinoff. Yeah, I was going to say real quick on the one before. I have a no go zone on Grigor as a fave. I, I can't do it. Like I, It's one of those things where I can bet him as a dog all the yeah. time, even though minus 130 is not that big a deal. Like maybe you make an exception, but I agree with you. I, I'm not a big Dimenauer, uh believer, especially on clay. But Evans, I saw that celebration you guys were talking about where he kind of came over and gave the little fist pump to the crowd before he shook hands. Uh, yeah. He was pumped. Um, I don't know. I like Evans. I feel like I don't understand why he doesn't have more clay court wins. You know, it's not like he relies on his serve anyway. So you think he'd be able to grind out uh, more wins, having be Joker once on the surface. Um, yeah, might be just because you never know with catchy. Catchy might uh, might go away a little bit. Um, might be worth a little fiver. Three to one's good. Okay, gotta gotta look for some value in, in the day, you know, because it's yeah. not like it's win all these matches. Like we know that. 
Has has Dan been to a wedding lately? Ooh, I don't know. That's a tough call. Uh, moving on. Uh, another one of yours that I, I thought stood out. And uh, there's a typo on that one. But Musetti, Nori, over 22.5 games. Musetti. yeah. We'll work on that. But that's a good one, huh? What they do we think look, about? They both look really good in the match today. Their matches today. Nori cruised. And uh, Musetti's looked look a little bit more consistent lately. Yeah, I think Musetti has like a slight edge on clay. But Nori's the type that... He's not going to go away easy. If even if he does lose, it's going to be a long match where he's you know scares you if you're a Musetti better. So I just think that it's such a tough one to call that I just take the over. Was there anything See, I, more? I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say I, I don't like the matchup with the low Nori backhand into this Musetti forehand. The Musetti forehand has been what's broken down for him. Uh, and I again like the, the low backhand doesn't really the, like the the flat backhand on this surface doesn't really make that much of an impact. But against a player with a weak forehand, or, or at least that's probably the weaker of the two wings. He's not going to be generating as much power there. I do think that that gives Cam a little bit of an advantage to sort of set up, uh, get some high bouncing balls and, and set up some winners. Uh, so I, I actually think there's a little bit of value here on taking clay court Cam. And, uh, you know, Musetti's had a, a great, he's, he's back, I think, but maybe not this back. Yeah, I, I agree also, just because he won today Musetti three and one, but he was up five love in the first. And like, I, I blinked and looked up and it was five, three. And like he does that a lot, where he has these leads, he's up a yep. set and a break, or he's up here, and all of a sudden it's we're in a breaker, and he can get away with that with some guys like Kubler. But once you start to get to guys like Nori, and like you said, Nori's gonna grind all those matches yeah. he played down in South America, man. Like every one of them was like three yeah. hours. It felt like you know. So he switched up his entire schedule to play for that British Davis Cup tie, where he instead of doing the Del Rey American events, went all South American clay. Maybe that ended up working. I mean, he ended up playing Alcaraz twice, beating him. We know what was going on with Carlos then, but I don't know. Maybe Alcaraz on clay, or maybe Nori on clay becomes this new, you know, renaissance. I don't know. It's hard to say. So I think it is. Yeah, you know, it could be one. Um, well, you're always few- you're always holding your breath a little with Musetti. Yeah, like I know he's back and he'd be Joker, but like you know, his consistency is always the the thing that's the question. We know he has the skill. He's one of the most talented guys, uh, young guys out there. But like you, even if you're up, you never feel like out of it, you know. So it's a, it's always a roller coaster a little bit with him. Yeah, we want to uh, just briefly put a comment in to break it up. We have somebody coming on the show here. Uh, you might know this person. <laughs> just had to make sure I got that one in there. Uh, happy producer to Mike. for producer Mike. Uh, I'm gonna push back on Zico a little bit on this one because I want you to defend this pick because I saw this one. I'm like, okay, defend this one. Rusevori, ADF. You know, ADF on clay. We've already fought to beat Tiafo, though, but tell me why this is your pick. It's really more of a fade on ADF. I thought Davidovich Fakinas, he's looked really poor on clay so far. I think that, you know, his loss to Hachinov in Monte Carlo was really disappointing. I thought he had a chance to win that match. I mean, I know Karen's been, like, unbelievable this season, but I, th- I found it to be disappointing. I think that the whole season thus far has just been, you know, a little lackluster for him. And I do think that Rusevori kind of has some weapons to stay in that match. He moves pretty well for a guy's size, has a lot of power from both sides. I thought he played really well against Tiavo, especially just showing the mental toughness to come back in the third. I mean, I took Rusevori money line, and I, I I told Mitch before the show that was that was one of my calls. So I really like this, Eco, because, I look, I, I don't know, like, you know, you know, ever the, the consensus here is that Davidovich Shakina is a good clay court player, right? Like a good player. Obviously, his rankings up there um, in the top fifty. Like, you know, that seems to be the consensus. But 
when are we going to talk about the fact that this guy didn't had a losing record last year? Uh, is is only 13 and 10 this year across all comps. And when you look at his clay court record, he was 11 and 8 last year, 2 and 2 this year. And the 11 and 8 includes that wonderful dream Monte Carlo run. Like outside of that one week, he was a very bad tennis player last year. Now he starts the season 2 and 2 on clay this year. And I think this is a really troublesome matchup because you want to talk about a clay court renaissance. And I, I, I will say it, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Every single year, there's always a guy. He doesn't have clay court wins. You say, okay, this guy doesn't have a game for clay. He can't play on clay. And then he just comes out and he just he kills it. He wins a tournament. He goes to a That's semi, a final, yeah. whatever, a big event. Yeah. Why is that not Emil Rusevori? Or why can't it be Emil Rusevori this year? The guy's played on clay enough in his career to have a good feel for the surface. Uh, he, he definitely has a very good baseline. Or I thought he, I was very impressed with that win over Tiafo, And then the win over Bublik as well. Like, you know, obviously people love to just throw away wins over Alexander Bublik, but I do think that on clay, his game is a little tricky. He's got an amazing feel. Um, and, and I do think that I, I took a lot from that match as well. I think Rusevori is playing some solid tennis. I do not know why he's a plus 200 underdog here to a guy that just looks very uninspired. And again, you want to talk about pressure playing in front of the home fans in Barcelona. Sometimes it helps the player to play in front of a raucous home crowd. We've seen it plenty of times. Sometimes it hurts. And I think Fakina is one of those guys where he does not do very well under pressure. I think he's going to be in a very big pressure spot here. Uh, and it's one thing to, to beat Tomas Echeverri. It's another thing to better relent, uh, beat a relentless ground stroker like Rusevori. So I think this is a very tough spot for ADF. And, and I will be fading him not only on the set spread, but on the money line here. I think it makes sense. Rusevori fights. We saw that. And he's got some big wins. So, I mean, maybe that's the one worry is how he follows up that Tiafo match. But We'll see and a lot there. Uh, yeah. Rusevori looked well, uh, good against Zverev and Indian Wells on those slow courts. They played a really good three setter. And you kind of keep waiting for Rusevori to like take that next step because I'm with you. I like his game. He's a little bit like center junior, we've talked about, where he plays similar to center. He doesn't do anything as well as center, maybe, but he's 24 now. So he's starting to get, you know, up there. He's not, not old, but like he's not 19 or 20 anymore. So it'd be cool if he could kind of take this next step, take advantage of these wins where he comes back from two breaks down against Tiafo, um, and then, you know, and then can carry it into a little more momentum later in the tournament. I want to get to two quick things on a couple different things. One being a, uh, a match tomorrow that's going to feature two young players that kind of went in different directions. And uh, I know, Kenny, you like to spread in this one for Shapovalov, Sitsipas, who was battling a lot, but looked great early against a competition that was not up to Shapovalov's level, level. But looking at you, Kenny, first, how do you see this one going? And then ultimately, you know, both these guys going forward on clay season. Well, at this point in his career, right, I think it's it's there's going to be so much value in betting Dennis Shapovalov, maybe not to win matches, but to cover the spread, because, you know, I, I, we don't like to talk proverbial well it just means more to this guy but uh you know obviously wins are very very hard to come by i've long thought that clay is a good surface for shapovalov obviously the win over nadal he's had plenty of success 67 and 37 when you count challengers mm -hmm. itfs uh, the whole lot uh doesn't play a ton on clay recently hasn't been great but again i i, I do think that he can really shape some shots and, and win some long rallies on this surface and i think again stefano Sitsipas. Uh, look i don't think that he's going to win this match. I know it was 6-3, 6-4 Monte Carlo when these guys played uh, years ago. But I do think that Chapovalov can maybe take a set. I think he, I'd like him to cover the four and a half games. I just think he, uh, he he tends to get up for these big matches. This is a big match. He's three and one against Tsitsipas. And uh, he's, he's served well in every one. Tsitsipas has really struggled to return. So I think that he can hold serve enough here 
um, you know, get get some free points off the first serve. Again, assuming that he's he's able to land, uh, you know, over fifty five percent. You know, even just sixty yeah. percent will do it. Uh, I I do think that uh, that he can win this match, and I think uh, he's going to win a few matches here over the last next few months that surprise us. This could definitely be one a tournament that, relatively speaking, unimportant. Uh, you know, I mean, Sitsipas did what beat Nadal here what, two two or three years ago. Uh, I, I think that's about all he wants to take out of Barcelona. I think he's ready for Roland Garros. Maybe Shapovalov comes by and stuns him. Well, Brett, and you make great points, Kenny, but if you talk about Demi in a, in a favorite position, this guy, Shapovalov, is my number one in people I'm not going to bet with a favorite because of what's happened. And it was really since that Nadal match, unfortunately. But, Kenny, your point, in the underdog role, maybe he plays loose and he plays free gives him a match, spread versus result. I think there's potential in his game. I know we're all pretty much big fans of how he plays, but the consistency just hasn't been there. I'm actually not a big fan of how he plays, but I do, I do think that right. as a big underdog, as you said, that's always a time to bet Shapovalov because he, he yeah. you know, right. that's when he plays his best, when there's no pressure on him. And there's been a lot of pressure on him to keep up his ranking. First, it was top 15, then it was top 20. He's, he's fallen. Um, and, you know, while you might think there's more pressure here uh, with the ranking, I do yeah. think that he knows no one's going to expect him to beat a former Roland Garros finalist on clay where his game just hasn't been like the best over his career. So, I, you know, why not fire up the plus four and a half games? I think he we see at least one tiebreaker. Yeah, that's right. I forgot you're more of a fan of Casper Root. That's my bad. We'll just keep it going there. Oh, yeah. Well, huge, huge Casper. Honestly, all the guys we've talked about, Rusevori, I don't really even love Rusevori's game, but at, at plus 200, this doesn't make any sense. Zico, right. is there value? Is there value here on Sitsipas in this tournament? I mean, health-wise, it's looked better. We just haven't. I mean, it could change in an instant. We know with this guy, but he seems like he's in a better headspace at least. I was just gonna say, like, how many times do we have to hear the guy say that his shoulder kills before we just kind of start to believe him? I do think that there's yeah. value on Dennis, like especially on the game spread. I do think that, yeah, Sitsipas hasn't looked good. He has a reason for why he hasn't looked good. Maybe we should just take him at his word and fade him. Mm. Right. And you're right about Shappy. You never want to take him as a favorite. And he's he's a guy, where, like you were talking about with Fokina, where they get a, a early in their career big win over a big three guy, you know, where Fokina got Joker and Shappy got Nadal. And then Shappy's almost, for his whole career, been overpriced when you look at his line and then you look at his career record. He's like 500 a lot of the times. You know, he takes losses to guys earlier than he should, uh, according to his ranking. But then you see him at three and a half to one or getting four or five games. And so now you're getting a guy who sometimes is minus seven or 800 at four to one. You know, you have to risk less. And, uh, and you know, he goes out there and plays free. All of a sudden he's not expected to win. And, and since he might not be good, he looked good today winning. But the last few weeks, he, he hasn't been right. Fun spot, right? You have a struggling player that is primed for an up upset, and you have someone there that might be giving him the chance to upset him. So it'll be good. Uh, this has been fun, fellas. I want to end with just going around and seeing if there's anything else we miss. Bets you guys like, uh, players you're going to be monitoring to maybe you know put a little future ticket on, and then just ultimately your best clay court storyline. Zico, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We, we kind of ripped on him last time we did this, but I do think that Rude is getting a little bit closer. I know that it's, it hasn't been pretty this season. It's been downright disgusting at times, but he played well in Astoral. He won that tournament, and then I think that he just ran into a red-hot player in Struff and Monte Carlo, and I do think he's looked better for the most part, and I wouldn't be surprised if he were to win this tournament. Rude Rundle was a good one to, to see tomorrow with the level of both those players. Uh, Kenny, what say you? 
Uh, I, I will say it again, and we saw it last week, right? He had a nice result. Taylor Fritz, I think this is a season, the clay season to watch for him as he continues to develop his game and get to the next level. I think the draw might open up for him because, you know, whether or not Dominic Team gets by Marc-Andrea Husler, that's going to be a very tough match for him. But I think Fritz beats Fucevic. I think Fritz can beat Team. And really, there aren't too many guys in this draw that are going to stop him from winning this tournament. I think, obviously, Holger Runa in the top half of the draw is a guy, but I mean, you know, look, what happens when Fritz wins Munich and he had the, the nice result in Monte Carlo and we're heading into Roland Garros? What happens? Uh, is he is he a guy that we're looking at to win his quarter? Uh, if the draw breaks right, is he a guy that we're looking at to make the final? Like, I think these are valid things because, look, I think he has the game for clay. I do. And I think what we talked about with Sabalenka and Shapovalov and all these, you know, all these players who we, we've been kind of down on them on this surface in, in the past. He's eventually going to start to have some good results on this surface. I think his game is too good. So I think this is the clay season for Taylor Fritz. I thought it last week. I think it again. And uh, when he wins Roland Garros, I'll certainly be thinking it. Well, okay. <laughs> you always make, you're always so logical until that very last line at the end. It's always like logic. Bobby, you're trying to, trying to get the laughs out of you, Mitch, you know, <laughs> love your laugh. Uh, appreciate that. Brett, where are we at with, uh, I guess, your thoughts on this weekend also? I mean, we didn't talk about Monte Carlo's winner as much, and Andre Rublev in Serbia. Seems mm-hmm. like a guy who, you know, success fuels him. There isn't that dip, but thoughts on him and then the rest of the weekend for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously happy to see him finally uh, get over that, you know, uh, 500 level kind of curse thing that he, that he carries around, but uh, he's a great personality. I don't know, always talk about how they back it up in the next tournament. The draws aren't that deep there. It's just kind of Joker and then uh, maybe, you know, Miramir and, and a few other guys. But you think that uh, it, could be, it could be a rematch of last year, which would be fun to watch. Uh, I'll go to Munich, too, with, uh, with Kenny, with Fritz and Zverev. I feel like Zverev's kind of like trending. And if you think about it, like less than a year ago at the French Open, the position he was in before, you know, getting the wheelchaired off, you know, he kind of should have beat med almost twice could, could have had him in Indian Wells. And then he had the weird stuff with the, you know, having to give himself the shots against Daniel on the changeovers and then, you know, serve for twice against Medvedev last week again. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of his game, but I think like he eventually is going to get back going again to where he's making quarterfinals regularly, maybe making semifinals, you know, and, and continuing for more big tournaments again. So if he can come through in Munich, he's won there before. And uh, it'll be fun. He's in the same side as, as Runa. And then uh, Fritz is in the bottom half. And, so he's going to have to beat a couple Garin. of players. And Don't forget about him. Christian <laughs> Garin. He's, there. he's right there. Right. And yeah. Sinego yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think this clay court season, I know we miss Rafa. And I know there's question marks with Alcaraz and Djokovic. But can I say it's a little more fun because we have some doubt and uncertainty. It's kind of opened things up as opposed to just chalk, which it might end up still being. But. Let's just enjoy it now while we have some intrigue. I think it's great. Well, if, there, if there's if there's one thing that perfectly encapsulates my life and maybe some of the others here, it's doubt and uncertainty. Great, love it. <laughs> yeah, brick walls and uncertainty. Brett, pleasure. <laughs> Thank you to hear from Bella again. Zico, keep yep. up the good work uh, on tennis.com, and we'll be uh, we'll be monitoring this every Wednesday during clay court season. We'll see. I think we got a few right in there. I'm not sure, but maybe a few, maybe a few. So, fellas, it was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on Tennis Bets. We're also on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network on Spotify and Apple, so check us out there. And on YouTube, if you're watching this on the replay, let us know as well. But for Zach Cohen, Brett Connors, Kenny Ducey, my name is Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Bets, and we will see you next week. Peace.